Hello there, and welcome to the third and final episode of this latest Disrupt podcast series focused on the African agricultural technology revolution, brought to you in partnership with the South African agri-tech company IQ Logistica. We've been looking at what has been achieved so far and what is still to be done to ensure African farmers produce enough food to feed the continent and the rest of the world, while also building sustainable agribusinesses. African agriculture has both sublime potential and serious weaknesses. More than half of employed people in sub-Saharan Africa are active in the sector, yet it's majorly underpowered. A potential breadbasket of the world, African agriculture can't at this point even feed Africa. So what is to be done? So far, with the help of David Jeremin and Wade Breitenbach from IQ Logistica, we have looked at the inherent potential within the African agriculture space and how access to finance was the main issue farmers perceived to be holding them back. We've looked at all the other areas in which tech startups are helping to power African farming and what support they're receiving, be it from government, DFIs or VCs. In this episode, we're looking at the issues involved with scaling an agri-venture, how tech can speed that process. We hope you find it useful. Different people mean different things when they talk about farmers. They come in different shapes and sizes, says David. You know, you have to go and kind of segment the, the market a little bit. So, you know, we, we, we broadly kind of characterize three kinds of farmers. You have your smallholder farmer that is going to have anywhere from a half a hectare to maybe, you know, four or five hectares who's either who's growing a ton of mixed crops on, on the parcel of land. Then you can have a medium farmer who has been able to, to have a certain amount of upskilling and they could be, you know, sitting on anything from 10 to, to 50 hectares. And then obviously you have your commercial farmers where there's a, a fairly robust commercial farming market here in South Africa. Um, to the commercial farmers where we've developed Farmers Friend around specifically for them, um, look, it's, it's, a, it's a very easy value proposition to them because they, they do have a certain amount of tech savvy. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, is what you're, what you're ending up doing is you're consolidating the features from, let's say, four, five, or six different platforms that are standalone into one instance. And that's exciting for them because they don't want to know if there's, you know, the potential for hail on one app when they're looking at their geo mapping on another app to be able to deal with their finance on another app. And, and that is, you know, it's difficult, it's time consuming, and especially, you know, the larger the commercial farmer, then you're going to have farm managers who are involved, admins that are involved. So it's basically consolidating the functionality of a number of different apps into one. And that spans a little bit and bleeds into, let's say, the, the medium, um, the, the medium or small commercial grower as well, where there's a lot of different opportunities. There certainly is, uh, I would say, a baseline level of, of tech savvy that they, they have a good understanding of why it's important to accurately map your farm. And, um, and it's also, you know, they understand how, how much time gets really stripped out of the finance process by uploading your identity documents that are safely stored in the cloud. So it's exciting because we know that that baseline level of education is there. Then going to the smaller farmers, I think, you know, where you're really dealing with the significance of the pain point of access 
to to product because they're just highly over. It's a highly overlooked population. If you think about a, a, a small farmer who really you know may only need um, you know a three thousand dollar loan, and the the amount of time and money that it takes a a, a loan officer to go and underwrite a loan for that farmer is the same one that they would do for a farmer who is looking for a million dollar loan. So it's pretty natural, you know, where you're going to go to in the market. So this is where we spend obviously a lot more time, a lot more outreach in being able to say, this is why it's important. But again, you know, using kind of our, our observations and our use cases so far, what we're excited about is that again, you know, two out of every 10 small farmers that we're approaching, they do have access to a smartphone. They understand, you know, how, um, how to navigate the, the, the phone and to navigate the tech. And certainly if it results in, in product pricing that is, um, reasonable, certainly if we have the ability to finance it and we can help them de-risk their business, they're very excited to be involved. Given that different farmers have different needs, scaling an agri-focused solution across the whole of Africa can pose a challenge. Here's weight. The biggest thing is um, identifying the needs and the problems of, call it each farmer. Um, I think every single farmer around the country has, could be similar, but very specific um, problems and needs. So I think, you know, if, if I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time with small scale farmers out in Mpumalanga and, and I've spent a lot of time with commercial farmers out in the free states. And I think although their needs are very different, um, there's, there's alignings and similarities between those needs. And I think that the biggest thing in terms of scalability and trying to scale Pan-African is, is trying to align those needs, um, you know, as close as possible and supporting it, you know. So I think that's the biggest thing is, is getting down to sort of, excuse the pun, roots, roots of the problems. Um, but, you know, trying to, trying to align as much as possible to, to cover the, the, the biggest spectrum of needs um, through, one, through one thing. There are a variety of factors that play a part in scaling agriculture in Africa, and goals need to be aligned with that in mind. A lot of those factors are within our control, um, you know, with the partnerships we make and the directions we try and push, but a lot of the stuff is, is out of our control, and we have to be mindful of that. Um, you know, when, for example, like I said, load shedding is a big issue this side, so we need to align our developments and our, you know, our goals with that in mind, um, you know, call it access to water. Um, and if we don't have, you know, proper irrigation schemes set up, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult to, to have a farmer who's managing uh, an African farmer managing the irrigation if they don't have that infrastructure put in place. So I think, I think it's, 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 there is no reason why, why we, we won't be at that point in uh, 10 years time. But I think we have to be mindful that there is a lot of parts to play in something like this. And a lot of it, like I said, is in our control and a lot of it is not. Um, but we but we adapt to that. And, you know, if, if, if something is, if there's a problem that's that's sort of preventing us from moving forward, I, I think that's, that's another problem that, you know, we can tackle and, and hopefully, you know, make better. One such problem is the willingness of farmers to use tech within their businesses. Wade says some farmers are more likely to adopt technological solutions than others, with it often taking a lot of persuasion and education to encourage uptake. Like anything, you're going to, you know, you get, you, you can't really sort of class, you know, different farmers in sort of the same mindset. So they, 
you know, you, you've got the younger farmers, the young generation that are fully sort of invested in tech and have an understanding, um, you know, especially on the commercial side, the, the commercial farmers do have a quite a big understanding and are very readily, well, you know, wanting to adopt tech. And then you do have, call it the other 50% that are very hesitant, you know, they don't, uh, don't like change, but I guess, you know what, that's, that's within every environment, you know, you got guys that are early adopters, um, you got the guys that are, you know, sort of waiting for it to, to break through before they, they hop on. Um, but I think it is a difficult conversation to have, um, you know, especially in, in Africa, um, you know, globally, it's probably a lot easier to, to push, push agri-tech, um, you know, being it more, more stable within, you know, other call it first world countries. But within Africa, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of basics that have to sort of get in place before, you know, guys start thinking about um, applications and technology involved with their business. The cost of adoption also has to be kept in mind. The biggest thing that it sort of comes down to is I would say, you know, tech has to sort of couple with hardware. And I think hardware is, is sort of very expensive. When you start looking at, you know, cell phones, um, when you're selling at tablets, access to computers and the internet alone, I think you sort of need that coupled with the technology before, um, adoption is, is sort of taken because, um, you know, especially I think one of the challenges, the side of, of, of the world, especially in Africa, is the access to to hardware. I think that that's the first hurdle we try and, you know, sort of have to play catch up with. But, um, you know, even with the older guys, they, they, they do see the need for it and they see the, the results. But I think it's, it's trying to convince, trying to prove the results is, is quite difficult. Tech is pivotal, a game changer, actually, when it comes to the development of Africa's agricultural sector, says David. To me, the the tech is everything. Um, if you if you look at where companies end up paying a lot of school fees on the continent, they get excited because there's the allure of a large market, or low cost labor, or lack of competition, and it's exciting. Like you you walk into it, and and there's these blinders that that sit up where you lose money is logistics where you lose money is you know energy certainty so it's all of the things on the back end from the administration the creation and then the logistics of of business in general so when i when i think about tech and i i think about the the journey already and and you know i mean obviously i i was around during the early days of safaricom and mpesa and to go and look at the imprint that you know companies like these and partnerships like these have been able to produce these massive effects because they've they've literally developed something that is very relevant for the space and the demographic that you know they're they're operating with and and it's a game changer and and i i see that more and more especially where you're you're dealing at the intersection of kind of these pro poor strategies where you know maybe a farmer is just a subsistence farmer at this point in time but there's not a lot of cash that's really you know being spun off of the business and they they can't grow the the tech certainly is the enabler but i think you know the on the continent people are excited to embrace opportunity you know when i when i first came to the continent 
um, I, I really noticed, you know, the majority of entrepreneurship was born out of necessity as opposed to opportunity. And, you know, with the, the, the bull market that obviously has now fallen off the cliff, fortunately, there has been money that have been put into the hands of a lot of really innovative young entrepreneurs that aren't working out of necessity, but really working out of opportunity. So, you know, you have a lot of people on the continent, certainly a, a massive TAM in the, the agri sector that are now getting access to smartphones. Um, data prices are continuing to come down. Connectivity, even though sometimes albeit at a, at a slower pace, continues to grow. And that's the kind of stack that's required to be able to get massive uptake and to get to, to get ultimate benefit of the tech. I, the, the signs are promising. The wider utilization of tech within the sector could also serve to encourage more young people who have increasingly abandoned the village farm for the city to return to the land, says Wade. With technology itself, I think the biggest thing with driving young people and getting them involved with agriculture is I think sort of access to information and the transfer of information regarding, you know, agriculture and business. I think, um, you know, like you say, you know, the oldest sort of generation is I inherit my family farm and I, and I do what's been done on that farm for, you know, 100 years. But I think, you know, with, with technology, you sort of get, you get the ability and sort of that access to information being like, you know what, okay, I actually have the ability to find out, you know, what, what is, what is the best to plant? If, you know, if I were to invest in a small farm, you know, how would I go about this? You know, who, who are the people I talk to? So I think, your network now, um, especially in the modern era, I'd say, you know, in the past 10, 15 years, I think your network alone um, sort of gives you that drive to kind of kind of push. And I mean, I spent uh, last week, we had a food forum, Zanzi, Young Farmers in Daba, um, held uh, in Johannesburg, um, you know, where the Department of Agriculture was, was there um, and a lot of young farmers. And it was actually solely focused on sort of you know, driving young farmers um, within within the country. And there was actually a really good uptake. I mean, you know, just you find that a lot of the young guys really ask questions and really want to get involved with, you know, what what different companies offer and, you know, the networks that you have opportunities to, for example, you know, like just for, you know, crop choices, what are you putting on the crops? I think the young farmers definitely have that access to information. And I think that's where tech, also sort of pushes that forward. All of this means now is an exciting time to be running a tech startup on the continent. Here's David to wrap us up. I think the market is going to be as comforting or distancing to tech as the, as the ecosystem is ready to embrace it. You know, you can't think of it just from the, the, the farming standpoint. Um, you have to think, you know, are, are banks willing to step outside of themselves and say, wait a minute, you know, like this is this is a much better way to go and access customers. Um, are are these startups, these ag techs, including us, are we going to say, look, you know, we're not as relying on a partnership with a major bank because we're going to go and become a neo bank and register as an FSP ourselves? It, it's just going to be as supportive as the players allow it to be. I think, like with any other journey. And I often, I, you know, when, when I look back 15, 20 years and I look at the emergence of India and then I look to where they're sitting right now, 
And in Africa has a, a very similar trajectory. I mean, again, albeit behind the way that India is tracked. But if you look at the proliferation of technology and, and technology solutions in India and the funding environment and the entrepreneurship that has now been grown organically in, in the country itself, look, you can see the, the writings on the wall. And, and this has also happened in, again, Latin America, Southeast Asia. So, you know, this, these are the kind of patterns that you get really excited about because, in, in my opinion, in a lot of different ways, the tech can certainly play such a significant role. Um, and, and that's without, you know, the, the, the drivers to the market, such as like what you saw in COVID. I mean, COVID really made everybody kind of get excited and comfortable operating digitally because for the most part, nobody could move. So, you know, you also had these, these moments in time, which have occurred, you know, certainly over the past three, four, five years, which has even ignited it more. But, um, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very exciting environment for, for tech startups to be playing in right now. nice note on which to end there from David. Agriculture in Africa is such serious potential, but many, many challenges, and it will take serious work if tech startups are to power the sector more effectively. Yet many are striving, and in spite of the current reset, there is still capital available, so the future looks bright. That's it for this third and final episode of our series on Agritech in Africa, and once again we offer our thanks to our friends at IQ Logistica for making it possible. Next week, regular programming resumes of our month in VC podcast. We'll see you then. Bye.